it's a proactive step forward in giving your officers and your law enforcement professionals on your agency tools in the toolbox to be able to address and navigate all of the challenges that they face daily within the law enforcement profession. Happy New Year and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Laura Masterton and I'm the Director of Special Projects and Training Coordinator for the Association. It's a pleasure to have joining me today Greg Hanna, Session 261, and Greg Guyton, Session 215, to speak about the Active Bystandership for Law Enforcement Project. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Greg Hanna, let's start with you. Would you mind sharing what the ABLE Project is and some of its benefits? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, what is ABLE? Well, after years of academic research and on-the-ground experience has shown us that effective active bystandership can be taught. The Georgetown Law Center of Innovations and Community Safety, partnering with global law firm Shepard Mullen, created the Active Bystandership for Law Enforcement Project, affectionately known as ABLE. And, and what ABLE is, is really it's a comprehensive curriculum that addresses several different areas in the law enforcement profession. ABLE prepares officers to successfully intervene to prevent harm and to create a law enforcement culture that supports successful peer intervention. Now, typically in law enforcement, we teach officers that they have a duty to be good bystanders, right? And so this is traditionally covered, usually in ethics courses or when a police officer first goes to the academy or even through department general orders and uh, special operating procedures. But we don't spend enough time on emphasizing when teaching officers how to intervene and be good bystanders. We don't teach them how to effectively overcome these uh, things that we call inhibitors that inhibit them from being good interveners. Uh, Moreover, how to do it in a way that does not put an officer in a situation of retaliation or fear of retribution. And that's prevalent through all police cultures. Um, It can be even more challenging when there is a need to intervene with someone of higher rank or when someone is not really readily accepting of the intervention. So what ABLE does is it utilizes a framework to help navigate these challenges that we face here in the law enforcement profession. ABLE is about fostering an environment that supports active bystandership and protects the officers from harm. Most of us by nature believe we intervene with consistency, but decades of research has shown us that we don't do it as often as we believe we do. And we find in the class that most students will say, that they already do a good job with intervention through the intervention skills that they already possess and do it with consistency. And if that is the case, that's awesome, right? But what ABLE does is for those that do believe they intervene with consistency, ABLE will enhance what, they all, what they're already doing well. Uh, here's the great news in all of this. This is a behavior that can be taught utilizing the skills that, teach, that each law enforcement professional already possess. During the administration of the curriculum, we explore and discuss the three fundamental pillars of ABLE, which is to reduce mistakes, prevent misconduct, and promote officer health and wellness, as well as examine behavioral social science experiments that show we don't intervene as often as we believe we do. And then lastly, Laura, uh, ABLE is about fostering support from the community in which we serve and facilitate healthy relationships. And that's really the essence of what ABLE is about. That's really great information, Greg. And now I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what ABLE is not. Greg Guyton, would you mind sharing that? All right. Well, thank you, Laura. And I think equally important to what ABLE is about, I think it's important to talk about what it is not. And the first thing that a lot of students 
uh, come to class, they start thinking about it's an internal affairs program. And it is not. It has nothing to do with internal affairs. The ABLE program and the act of bystandership comes from outside of law enforcement to begin with in the private industry. And they base things on what has happened in the medical field and the airline industry. So it's it is not about internal affairs and it does not focus on internal investigations. And that was one of the things that was very intriguing to me getting involved in this program. And Greg Hanna, both of us coming from a heavy concentration in internal affairs, I think we both were intrigued that this is not about internal investigations. As a matter of fact, the program is about reducing internal affairs involvement in personnel issues. The second thing is, it's not about discipline. It's not about adding a disciplinary function to the agency at all. In cases of when active bystandership is used in which uh, an intervention is done and it minimizes a harmful uh, event, which could be just a mistake or maybe it could lead to misconduct, the agency has looked to use mitigation if they have to impose some type of discipline for an event that was uh, minimized due to uh, active uh, intervention and active bystandership. So it's not about discipline. The other side is it's not about mediation. This is not about bringing in an impartial uh, third party to talk about the needs of the other parties involved. It has nothing to do with mediation whatsoever. And it does not increase reporting within your policies. Uh, If you have a policy a reporting situation that stays in play. It's already on the books within your agency. But if you do not have a requirement for reporting on a particular incident that happens, having ABLE as part of your process does not require you to add to um, the reporting uh, responsibilities. Uh, Intervening on mistakes and misconduct uh, can actually uh, prevent them from becoming reportable if that intervention happens early enough in the process. So the goal of ABLE, whenever possible, is to prevent that involvement of internal affairs, to prevent that need for any type of discipline or mediation, if that's written into your policies, and to prevent any type of needed reporting in any event that it might be happening. So now we know what ABLE is and what it's not. Greg H., what kind of harm could be created with the lack of intervention? So there's a lot of harm that could be created when there is a lack of intervention. And I think in the law enforcement profession, we see it a lot, especially in the media. And even the things that don't make the media, uh, we know about within the agencies. And we know the history of what has happened at a specific agency and how some of those things can harm bad actions, right? And some of those bad actions may not necessarily be a form of misconduct. Um, It could just be a mistake or it can be an unwell officer. And and earlier I mentioned about the three pillars, right? Which is that we talk about the fundamental pillars enable, which we talk about, which is to reduce mistakes, prevent misconduct and promote officer health health and wellness. All three of these pillars are of equal weight, right? And, And each one of these situations that we face out here in the law enforcement profession, when there is a potential for harm can fall under one of those three pillars. And so one of the things we talk about in the curriculum is about, and we identify who is harmed when we fail to intervene. And some of the things that we talk about in there in terms of who is harmed, we talk about community members being harmed. And we see that 
quite often, not just in the media, but within our own respective communities. Of course, the law enforcement uh, profession as a whole, we always, I always kind of say in the classroom, if something happens out in, uh, out in the West somewhere at an agency or within a community, and there is some type of harm that happens there, some form of misconduct or some type of huge mistake that is made uh, while servicing uh, the community and servicing ourselves, it affects the law enforcement profession in this in the North and in the South and really globally. So, you know, the law enforcement profession gets harmed when, when there's a failure to intervene. Also, in the class, we talk about the families because it's not just about the profession itself, but also families are affected when there, there's a failure to intervene and some type of harm. And here's another thing too that we talk about and we kind of dive into quite a bit is the local economy. Because we have seen in situations when there is harm um, or some type of failed intervention uh, that creates uh, a problem within the agency and within the community that we see civil unrest and we have local economies that you know are affected by it, whether it be financially or whether it just be the small mom and pop shops. Uh, you know, everyone is affected when there is a failure uh, to, to intervene and it creates that harm that, that's long lasting, long standing. Some of the other kind of harms that we see is discipline and suspensions and terminations. You know, officers work pretty hard in this profession to uh, get to this point. And so, you know, they get disciplined, they get suspended or unfortunately get terminated or even illegal exposure where they're, they're criminally charged for something because there was a lack of intervention. And so these are just some of the things that we talk about. We really get in depth in the class uh, about these, the harm that's created when there's a lack of intervention and how to address it, how to mitigate it. And we do it by uh, covering a lot of different framework, giving the officers and law enforcement professionals that go through the class tools that they can use to help them to navigate some of those, those challenges that they face. Greg G., I'm curious, over the last year, you and Greg H. have been teaching the course. Can you share some lessons learned? Yes, it's, it's been an interesting uh adventure being part of the, the ABLE program. And uh, both Greg, Hannah, and I have met some tremendous uh, police officers that are going to be uh, training in their individual departments. And, and what we have found that is that um, we have people who come to the class who aren't fully understanding what ABLE is all about. And I think it's very important that agencies, executive officers, whether it be a chief or a uh, superintendent or a sheriff, that once they have made that decision to um, utilize the ABLE philosophy, that they understand that this is going to require a cultural change within their agency. And when they take that time to involve as many of their personnel and a discussion on ABLE and what it's about and how it's going to affect that particular agency, it's important for them to do it early on, uh, even prior to sending instructors in order to be certified as uh, ABLE trainers to then go out and train their individual uh, officers. The more information that is shared ahead of time within that agency uh, and getting feedback and getting buy-in from first-line supervisors. Uh, first-line supervisors are that, that they are the people 
who keep the train on the tracks and keep it moving forward in any police agency and getting them involved in, in ABLE and the understanding of ABLE and the need for them to embrace it and carry that message forward and getting all of those people involved ahead of time and uh, with a true understanding of, of the importance of the program and how it's going to be rolled out within their agency, I think is crucial. So many times we have had instructors come and some of them not quite sure what ABLE is all about, or we have heard them say, uh, you know, they were told to report here and not have a full understanding of it is putting a, a heavy burden on them to go back to their agency and then to push the message forward. It's going to be important that the chief executive officer, uh, his or her command staff and first line supervisors are fully leading the charge and showing their support and their willingness to adopt this. It, it, it is a, uh, as I indicated earlier, it is a cultural change. It's, it's not doing business as has normally been done in law enforcement, and there has to be an acceptance of that. And I, I would say that that is the biggest lesson that we have learned along the way is that the people that are coming to the training um, have, uh, have their full uh, support from their agency. So when they go back, they go back with this excitement that they're going to be really making a difference within their agency as they spread this message of, of you know, of those three pillars of addressing mistakes and misconduct. And most importantly is uh, health and wellness of, of individual officers. Just to piggyback on what Greg uh, G just mentioned, you know, I, I want to emphasize that when agency heads decide to become an able agency, uh, they really should send their best and their brightest. or so those who really believe and have buy-in into what able is about that's going to be important and key to any agency's success with ABLE. If you just send someone, and it's kind of on the lines of what Greg, just, Greg G just mentioned, if you just send someone just to fill a space, it's not going to be effective you know, for your agency. And what you want is, as a part of that culture change, you want to be able to have a top to bottom, bottom to top approach. And the biggest thing that folks will look at. And when I say folks, I'm talking about the students that attend the ABLE session or ABLE class, is they're going to be looking at the credibility of the person standing there that's instructing the class. And so it's important that you send someone that is going to be open to the buy-in of, of what ABLE is about and also be a good representative to your agency when rolling out this, this program and this project. One of the other things that uh, has we've learned that has helped agencies is that some agency executives will send a captain or lieutenant or deputy chiefs or even a chief or sheriff for that matter to go through the trainer trainer curriculum that we administer. And they're simply an ambassador to help support the instructors that are actually rolling this out to the agency. And that's a really great strategy to help foster ABLE in different aspects. And we in the class, we, we go over what a department-wide implementation looks like. And an ambassadorship is a really good way of doing that. So I just wanted to just uh, jump in there and plug that in, um, in addition to what uh, Greg G has already mentioned. So with that being said, once the agency is all on board, how would they go about becoming an ABLE agency? 
you know, it's it's not difficult to become an able agency, but an agency executive can't just raise their hand and say, hey, I want to be an able agency. And it just happens. Um, this is a very structured process. And I'll be quite honest, uh, it's not for everyone. Right. Some agencies may not necessarily be ready uh, for the culture change that that is there or that can occur. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it's a proactive step forward in giving your officers and your law enforcement professionals and your agency tools in the toolbox to be able to address and navigate all of the challenges that they face daily within the law enforcement profession. So how can an agency become an able agency? Well, the first thing that they would need to do is they would need to go to the Georgetown uh, website, the Georgetown Law website. Uh, and I can give you the, the URL to that, but it may be easier to Google, but I'll give the URL just in case anyone wants to write it down. But it's, it's uh, HTTP forward slash forward slash law dot Georgetown dot edu forward slash CICS forward slash ABLE. And what that does is it takes you to the ABLE site. Now, if you don't remember that, I didn't write it down. Just Google it, Active Bystandership for Law Enforcement, and it takes you right to the site. And on the site, it gives you an overview of what ABLE is about, and it talks about the three pillars. And then there's also a application on there that an agency executive would need to fill out. So they hit the application to join the ABLE project. And then once they apply, there's four letters uh, that they have to submit. Two of those letters can be from a chief executive or a jurisdiction chief executive. And then two have to be community-based letters. They can be from a faith-based agency. They can be from a community-led uh, agency. Whatever the relationship is with that law enforcement agency and their community, two of those letters need to come from them. And of course, once they're approved, then an agency commits to uh, several standards. And you'll see the standards on the website. Um, and some of those standards, just to kind of give an overview of it, is, you know, dedication to coordination, meaningful training, meaning the agency is committing to rolling out eight hours of initial instruction with ABLE from the top down. That means from the chief executive all the way down to the recruit officer, and then committing to dedicating two hours of in-service training to nothing but ABLE. Also dedicating able or fuse enable rather into other things such as firearms training, such as defensive tactics training. So that's a part of some of the standards. Also program awareness, right? Not just internally within the officers, but also uh, within the agency, but also externally with the community, letting everyone be aware that, hey, this is a project that we're getting into and this is the support that we're gonna need. Uh, some of the other uh, commitments and standards is uh, accountability. Right, protecting the interveners with a uh, strong anti-retaliation policy, making it uh, intervention successful and making it a potential mitigating factor in, in investigations and discipline. And then promoting officer health and wellness and coming up in the uh, two hour in-service training, we're gonna be talking a lot more about officer health and wellness, which is, which is huge in this profession. And then uh, which Greg kind of covered uh, earlier, which is talking about unchanged reporting, right? So what's reportable today is going to be reportable tomorrow. What's not reportable today is going to not be reportable tomorrow. It doesn't change the reporting standards. If anything, it enhances it. Um, so there are a lot of different uh, uh, standards that an agency would need to follow. Um, and that's really how you, how you get involved. Uh, we offer executive presentations uh, 
we do it for about an hour and we stay pretty tight to that hour. But we give the chief executives, the sheriffs, commissioners, whoever is going to be attending this executive presentation or whoever is an invested stakeholder. We give a presentation and give an overview of the project, uh, what their agency would be in store for. And then we kind of go over the same thing that we're talking about now, how you could uh, get involved, what the application process is and what that commitment is. Thank you for joining me today, gentlemen. And I'd also like to take a moment to thank Georgetown University for allowing the FBI National Academy Associates to be an integral part of this very important program for law enforcement. For more information on the ABLE project, you can go to www.fbinaa.org and click on the Education tab. Scroll down to the Active Bystandership for Law Enforcement Project link. This concludes the first episode of Leadership APB for 2022. Please join us next month on the first Wednesday for another episode of our podcast. Wishing you all a very happy new year. Please stay safe and be well.